This message comes to you from City Bible Church in Portland, Oregon, where we are committed to living like Jesus and sharing His love. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. I mean, wasn't that a great program? I mean, every year it ceases, uh, never ceases to amaze me, just the, the unique outfits and expressions. And, uh, you know, this year we had Christmas ninja and Christmas skeletons and Christmas mohawks. And I mean, that's what makes Christmas so special is, you know, that uh, children getting to be themselves in the midst of the season really, really adds a whole new dimension to this whole idea of Christmas. You know, as I was thinking about this morning and thinking about my journey as a, as a child, I could go back as far as maybe five years old, 1965. They did have electricity back then. But I remember receiving the 1965 special Christmas edition of the Sears catalog. Now, back then, they used to have these huge catalogs that would come out right at Christmas time that had all of the toys and all of the gifts. And so there were the Montgomery Wards catalog and the Sears catalog. How many are old enough to remember that and actually admit it? Come on. So we had this thing called a 1965 Sears Christmas catalog. And I remember looking through that as a kid. Now, I lived in a place called Manhattan Beach, which was the hometown of a toy company called Mattel. And I remember that catalog specifically because on the front of it was Ken and Barbie, but there was something new being introduced to the scene, and it was this this new toy called Hot Wheels. And I was so excited about this. There was actually a bunch of pages that were devoted to all these cool, hot-looking cars and tracks and all different things. And so I had it in my mind that Santa was going to bring me every single one of those Hot Wheels that were in that entire catalog. And so I remember one night as my parents went to bed, taking the catalog along with a pair of scissors, going into my, into my bedroom and cutting out every picture individually. You ever do that as a kid? Thinking that every one that you cut out was the one you were gonna get, right? And so I took these and it was my mission then to, to write my name on it, Marco. They called me Marco back then, don't call me that now. But they called me Marco, and because there are four Marks in my class, they named one Mark, Marky, Marcus, and Marco. I got Marco. And so I wrote Marco on all these things, and then I made it my mission to take these little pictures and hide them everywhere. So everywhere that my mom or dad went, they saw a Hot Wheel with my name on it. I just wanted kind of like subliminal messages, right? And so I placed them under their pillow. I put them in cupboards. I put them on refrigerator. I taped them on the milk. I put them in the freezer. I even lifted up their bathroom toilet seat and pasted one right to there. I mean, oh my gosh, Hot Wheels, right? So, I mean, they were everywhere. Why? Because I was going to have Hot Wheels. And I remember it was that season where I began to struggle with the deep emotion. And I think I'm over it by now, but dealing with the idea that Santa was maybe not real. I remember it was, a, it was a traumatic thing because my whole upbringing, I, I was told that Santa was real and all of a sudden, if he's not real, who's gonna bring the Hot Wheels and what's gonna happen and the sky is falling? It was a big or- ordeal that I was going through. And so, but I do wanna say this is that um, my parents did have a great time during that season helping me to be good. It was probably the season where I did the best. You probably have never done this as parents. But my parents used to do this to me. They used to always say, hey, Marco, Santa's watching, and he knows if you're naughty 
or nice. And I mean, I was just one of the most well-behaved kids during that time. I go, okay, 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 Santa's watching. I'm nice, I'm nice. So. And I remember um, just hearing just recently about a, um, a little encounter with my granddaughter, Brinley, in her kindergarten class here at City Christian School. And they were making uh, decorations for the Christmas holiday, and they were putting these all together. And somehow in the midst of this uh, little art thing that they were doing, along with some parents around there, that a dialogue began to happen around this idea of Santa. And one of the little kids said at the table, says, well, I don't believe that Santa is real. I mean, obviously all these kids, some of them are dumbfounded. And one little kid says back to him, oh, you don't, I believe he's real. I saw him last week at Walmart, <laughs> right? I mean, of course, that's where Santa hangs out. Lots of toys. And so the other little kid says back to him, that's not true. Well, he's just fake. That was a fake Santa Claus. So they're getting back and forth. And all of a sudden, my granddaughter got into the conversation and just trying to debate back and forth. And, you know, he's real. He's not. He's real. He's not. And finally, she, with all of the utmost confidence she had, she turned to her mom and said, look who's not getting presents this year. <laughs> right? <laughs> she had it all figured out. It's just like, man, this kid ain't getting presents, man. I'm telling you what. So... Oh, what a fun time. But you know, as we get older, uh, we begin to realize that, that, that Christmas really isn't about Santa. Um, we begin to realize that it's not about Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. In fact, we begin to realize that it's not about all of the fudge and cookies that you consume in the next 30 days. For me, that's mass quantities of almond roca. But whatever it is, it's not about that. It's not about the parties. It's not about all the deadlines. Ladies, I know that you'll probably tune out right now, but it's not about Black Friday. It's not about all the shopping experiences and running people over to get your stuff in. I mean, it's not all about all that stuff. What it's really about is Jesus. Somewhere along the line, again, we, we promise ourselves when we get to the season that we're not going to allow the pressure of the season to cloud our mind. But creatures of habit, we jump right back into it. We've got the parties and the deadlines and the lists and the gifts and the cards and the candy and all that stuff. And so we felt that during this season, like we try to do every single year, is we wanted to just kind of push all of that stuff aside and talk about this one big idea, and it's this. We have a Savior. That we have a Savior. And every week, we're just trying to hone in back on the Christmas story and to talk about this idea that Jesus himself came. He's our Redeemer. Uh, Jesus is our Rescuer. He's our Deliverer. And the reason why Jesus came is because he had you in mind. Somewhere, somehow, in the foundations of the world, God looked down. He saw our sinful nature. He saw men going astray, and he chose to do whatever it took to send his son so that you might have a relationship with God and that we might be free from all of the effects and the powers of sin and that we might also celebrate eternal life. And so this morning, I want to take some time to just talk through a little bit about the Christmas story and especially the one part where the angel talks to the shepherds. And we've all been around long enough to know that the story really unfolds with Joseph and Mary, and they go back to Bethlehem. Everybody's being taxed. They try to find a place in order to have this little child, Jesus, Emmanuel, 
end up in an inn, in a manger. But simultaneously, what's happening is the story's unfolding in Bethlehem and all of this stuff's happening around the birth of Jesus. It says way out in the fields, there were some shepherds. And it says they were tending to their flock at night. It was probably just another night. It was a dark night, probably quiet. Obviously, there wasn't a storm because there were stars in the sky and the sheep were nestling down and they're trying to find a, maybe a rock to put their head on or whatever they laid on at those times. And so they're, 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 they're settling down and all of a sudden it says that the heavens opened up. And it says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. I don't know about you, but if I'm laying down in the wilderness and it's dark and all of a sudden an angel of the Lord appears and the heavens open up and this glory of the Lord, this bright light shines around them, how many know that that would get your attention? And so this, this isn't a normal encounter. God chose not to send some scribe or Pharisee or some teacher of religious law to tell the story and say, okay, this is what Isaiah was talking about, this thing about Jesus. God himself chose to open up the heavens to unfold the story. And so when we look at this story, it's so, the story, it's so important to recognize that God was communicating to humanity what we see through the eyes of these shepherds, a message for every single one of us to understand and embrace. And I want to look at just a few of those thoughts this morning. We just have a few minutes to do that, but I want to look at four thoughts for you to take away this morning. In Luke 2 verses 10 and 11, the first thing that we see as we look at this scripture, the angel of the Lord shows up and it's, he says, do not be afraid. How many, how many think they'd be afraid? I mean, the heavens are opening up. There's this huge light that's shining down on them. There's this voice that's coming down. And the angel of the Lord says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior, listen closely right here, has been born to you. Just look at that word for a second, to you. Again, God chose to speak to just a few intimate shepherds. It wasn't some kind of global message where the heavens opened up and all people, all humanity at one time heard it. It was, it was intimate. It was, it was personal. God wanted us to see through the eyes of this story that the message is a personal message. He's a personal Savior. When we look at the story, what we find is, is that Jesus came for you personally. And sometimes we forget to look at it that way. We think about all the people and we celebrate the story and here's this baby Jesus and he grows up. Yes, he's gonna die and rise again. And it's so easy to unpersonalize the story. But I wanna personalize it today and I want you to personalize it saying that he was born for you. In fact, if you were the only person on planet Earth, he would have came for you. He would have just come for you. And we see that in the life of Jesus as he walked throughout this Earth. We find that wherever there were multitudes like this, he seemed to always have a heart for the one. He always seemed to make sure wherever we read about Jesus, 
that no one was left behind. There was no one lost in the crowd. I think about the story of Zacchaeus and where he's walking through the town and the streets are lined and there's thousands of people and here's this guy hanging out of a tree and he stops and says, Zacchaeus, come down. I must go to your house today. I mean, this guy's a, a notorious tax collector. I mean, but in the midst of the thousands, he shows us, wait, there, there's one. There's one. I, I, I came down this street for you. I think about the woman at the well. He could have been in Samaria and the thousands of people that would ultimately come out to the well, but he stopped for the one. I think about blind Bartimaeus as he's leaving Jerusalem, excuse me, Jericho on the way to Jerusalem, and here's these blind beggars on the side of the street. He stops in the midst of thousands and he stops and calls blind Bartimaeus to himself. Even the prostitute in John 8 that's down in the dirt, being ready to be stoned. He gets down in the dirt instead of positioning himself with the Pharisees and all of those different people during that day to be with the one. And let's not forget the story of Jesus hanging on the cross. As he was thinking about the billions of people that he would give his life for, he still stopped for the one, the thief on the cross. We have to understand in this season when we celebrate this birth, can you personalize this today? Is you're celebrating the fact that Jesus came for you. Let's not forget that in this season that everything that we celebrate is that there's a God in heaven that created you, that loves you, that cares for you, that desires a personal relationship with you, that came down so that you could have a relationship with him. And when I look at the whole story of the gospel and I look at Jesus, what makes Christianity so unique versus any other religion is it's a story about not man running after a God, but God running after man. That he was willing to leave that to come down for you individually. That is good news. The second truth that we see in this story, that we see that this angel is communicating to these shepherds, we find in Luke 2.10 again. And the big idea that you see in this next point is that he, he came to not only just be with you, but he came to remove your old life. And the angel of the Lord says to these shepherds, it says, do not be afraid. And again, anybody standing in the presence of God would be afraid. But the angel of the Lord starts this way. They, he wants them to know that what he's bringing to them is not judgment, that they shouldn't fear, but that he's coming to bring good news of great joy. What's the good news? That whatever mistake you have ever made, your shame, your guilt, your pain, your regrets, he came to remove those. I don't know about you, but that's good news for me. When we look back at our lives and we look at everything that we've done, imagine those never going away. This room is filled with people called humans. You make mistakes. There's some of you that have made horrific mistakes with your life. You wonder if God even loves you. I'm here to tell you today, 
Whatever it is, no matter how bad it is, he came to remove those from you. Some people here struggling with things like addictions or maybe you're involved in an adulterous relationship or maybe you've been involved in some kind of different kind of sexual activity or some drug or addiction or you committed a crime or you did some heinous act and you're just going, man, I just, I just can't seem to just get this off of me. You never will, but he can. And that's the good news. We come and we celebrate this season knowing, okay, he came for me, but as he came for me, he came to remove from my life everything that is wrong with me and to never remember them again. Isaiah 43 says this in verse 25. It says, I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins, and I like this part, and I will never think of them again. He'll never think of them again. It's the enemy that brings them back into your mind. It's not God. He came to die for those and came to remove those from your life once and for all. And I know as a, as a loving father, if I was to introduce my children to you, I'm not introducing my kids to you based upon their failures. And it's so ironic that we, we kind of view our own lives through our failures. You know, divorced person or, you know, made mistake person or whatever it is maybe that you've done, those insecurities and mistakes, we seem to always kind of view ourselves and think that people view us through that filter. God doesn't. This is such good news. So if I'm introducing my children, I'm not going to say, hey, by the way, here's my little daughter, Elisa, you know, when she was four, you know, she poured a bunch of grape juice on the carpet and really messed it up and it really ticked me off, but that's her, right? I don't say, hey, here's Heather, she threw a rock through the window when she was nine, I mean, it just really, really messed me up, I had to pay, that's her, right? You don't do that with your kids. How much more is a loving father when he thinks about you, thinks about good things. He looks down upon you. In fact, when he sees you because of Jesus, all that he can see is that you're whole and you're cleansed and that you're right before him. And someone right about here should get excited. I mean, someone should just go, my goodness, that's good news. The third thing that we see in this story, and again, just another quick thought from the angel of the Lord to the shepherd. He not only came for you, he didn't only come to remove your sins, but he, he, he has a divine exchange, and that is that he takes your old life and he gives you a new life. Luke 2.11 says, today in the town of David, it says, a savior is born to you. When you read what Paul said about this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he says, if anyone be in Christ, it says, they're a new creature. It says, old things are passed away, and behold, all things become new. 
This is one of the most amazing parts of a relationship with Jesus. You look at your life, you look at your brokenness, you look at your shame, you look at your guilt, you look at regret, you look at your mistakes, you look at your failures. He takes them all away in exchange. He gives you hope. He gives you peace. He gives you faith. He gives you strength. He gives you relationship. He becomes your comforter. He becomes your your everything. It's this divine exchange that happens. He gives you a new nature. You become a new you. I am not the Mark Estes that I was before Jesus. Thank God. My wife really said, thank God, right? Come on, Jesus. And so you have to recognize he comes in not just to give you new things, but he comes to make you new. Maybe you're here this morning and you've been trying to figure out life on your own and trying to figure out ways in which to better yourself. I tried that for so long. Listen, it doesn't work. There's not a self-help seminar that's going to help you to become a new person. Only Jesus can do that. And when we finally give him our lives, he comes and he lives inside of us and he gives us this thing called New life, abundant life. He says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. I think that's awesome that he would do that for us. And then lastly, this one last thought is that he came to reward you with eternal life. He came for you. He's going to take all of your problems, mistakes, and challenges away He's going to give you new life so that you can experience it here on planet Earth. And then he says, let me just put an exclamation point right here. I'm going to allow you to experience this forever. I'm going to give you eternity with me. And as I read this story, and again, I I was just meditating on the last part of this communication with this angel of the Lord to these shepherds. And in verse 13, 14, it says, suddenly... A great company of the heavenly host appeared. Think about this for a second. Heaven opened up. I read that all the time, but I saw it afresh just this season as I begin to meditate on this, is that here are these shepherds. Not only does an angel appear to speak to him, he says, but by the way, let me give you a glimpse of what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, the heavens open up just however it works. And all of a sudden, there's these heavenly hosts up there. Hallelujah. I mean, just, I mean, just lights and angels and heaven and throne of God. And they're just going, whoa. I mean, it was just like, I mean, imagine it. That you were able to get out of your natural realm and be able to look into the eternal realm. And there are these, these choirs of angels presence of God, the glory of God shining down upon them, they're just kind of like, (sighs) God's showing us something here, guys, is that heaven's real, God's real, and he's trying to show that all of heaven celebrated the coming of the Savior, how much more should we? They're already there. It's like this personal invitation saying, this is what's available for you. You can spend eternally, excuse me, eternity with all of these angels, you know. What what an amazing story. 
It's come to give us eternal life. I'd like you, if you wouldn't mind, just to, to bow your head and close your eyes for just a, a moment. I really want you just to, to just push aside who's on your left and your right and just, just settle in just you and the Lord right now. Let me just ask you a couple real, real honest questions. How are you doing with your relationship with Jesus? What's this Christmas season really look like to you? I mean, how are you thinking about this season and what it represents to you? You know, one of the most important things that we can do in this season is to recognize and then to live out the reason why he came. And I know that there's lots of people in this room that are coming from all different walks of life. And I would love that every person in this room had the opportunity to just get their life right with Jesus in this special season. Trust me, it'll be the best Christmas that you've ever had. All that Jesus will ever do when he catches you is love you and give you everything you were looking for anyways. He'll give you love. He'll give you peace. He'll give you joy. He'll take away all your wrong things. He'll give you new things. He'll give you eternal life. But because he's a God of love, he, he wants you to respond to that. And if you're here this morning and maybe you've never asked Jesus to be your personal Savior, maybe you believe in him, maybe you read the Bible, maybe you even read the Christmas story every year, but you've never stopped and said, Jesus, I want you to come and live inside of me, to be my Lord, to be my Savior. I want to lay some stuff at your feet today. I need a new life. I need a new start. All that you need to do on your part is simply just say, Jesus, I need you. It's really that simple. He just wants to know that you desire a relationship with him. And if you're here this morning and that's you with every I closed every head bowed. And you'd just like to pray that simple prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you or put you on the spot. Can we together pray this prayer? And again, especially if you raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer for the first time. Maybe you didn't raise your hand and you want to pray this prayer. You can do this as well. But let's, let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you that you came to be my personal savior. Lord, today I receive you into my life. I recognize that I have sin and that I fall short of your standard. But you came and you died in my place so that I could have eternal life. And so today, Lord, I ask you into my heart to be my Lord and to be my Savior. Cleanse me of all my sin and let me follow you all the days of my life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Why don't you give Jesus a big shout this morning? Isn't that awesome? Thank you so much.